Hi, welcome to A Look Behind and Rewind. I'm your host, Tom Nielsen. Well, gang, now that we've entered the month of August, it's almost back to school time. And, of course, we have a few stories on that very subject to entertain you with. So let's start off with the very first one in chronological order. The year was 1957. I had just entered kindergarten. Now, how did I know that it was 1957? Well, one of the first lessons we learned on that opening day was how to read a calendar. And for some strange reason, that number, 1957, was indelibly burned into my mind as a result. Maybe it was because we were all told to write the number down on a piece of paper that the teacher passed out to all our tables. The only glitch there was that we hadn't yet been taught how to write letters or numbers. <laughs> oh well, just a, a minor detail. My mother had prepared me for this life-changing experience to the best of her ability. She sent me off to school that day with a brand new brown plastic pencil case to hold all my freshly sharpened number two Dixon Ticonderoga pencils, along with an eraser and a miniature pencil sharpener. The outside of the pencil case was festooned with colorful little cartoons depicting the latest musical fads, crazes, and current events of that year. Like a shout out to Elvis and his hit record Hound Dog as well as an odd reference that mashed together both the Space Race and Gene Vincent's hit song and a cryptic saying, Bebop Sputnik. Now I have to tell you, as a young, naive five-year-old who was not quite tuned in yet to the music scene, or even the news headlines of the day, most of these things went right over my head. At the time, I had no inkling what they were referring to. All I knew was that my new pencil case was supposed to be the coolest, hippest thing around. It wasn't until years later that I discovered the hidden meaning behind some of these gems of popular art. My kindergarten teacher, Mrs. Luzak, greeted us all and introduced us to the new routine that we'd all be expected to follow over the next few months. The first thing was the Pledge of Allegiance which we were all expected to stand up for and recite while holding our right hands over our hearts. And for the life of me, I couldn't figure out who it was that they were referring to when we all said, and to the Republic for Richard Stands. Huh? Who is Richard? <laughs> Did we have a Richard in our class? Actually, that was still to be determined since I didn't know any of the names of my classmates yet. And then that was followed by a Bible reading. I think it was the 23rd Psalm, which was filled with equally mysterious and ominous passages. Like, for example, why would any of us kids want to get excited about a line that read, Yea, though I walk through the valley of death. Yay? Hooray? <laughs> Not me, man. I wasn't exactly happy about taking a stroll through the valley of death. <laughs> I just wanted to make it through recess, I tell you. And after that strange experience, Mrs. Luzak then sat down at the piano and led us all in some kind of opening song, which wasn't exactly on the Lucky Strike hit parade, I can assure you of that. It was probably something like The Wheels on the Bus, Here We Go Looby Loo, or maybe even The Farmer in the Dell. It was during one of those very noisy renditions that I discovered I wasn't very good at singing along to Mrs. Luzak's piano accompaniment. But that's a story for another day. You know, gang, 
At about this stage in our very young lives, one of the things that was a big part of our daily routines was watching cartoons on TV, especially the ones created under the banner of Looney Tunes by the Warner Brothers studio. Well, I didn't realize it at the time, but almost all the voices in those Looney Tunes cartoons were done by just one very talented man, a guy named Mel Blanc, who became famous for Bugs Bunny, Watch out, Doc! Daffy Duck, You're despicable! Yosemite Sam, Great Horny Toads! Tweety Bird, I told I told Putty Cat! And a whole bunch of other memorable characters. Well, just recently, I started reading a book about Mel Blanc in which he described his early days in school. And wouldn't you know it, Mel Blanc wasn't exactly a model student himself in those days. He discovered he had a special gift for doing funny voices at a very early age, and so he was constantly getting in trouble with his teachers for that. One time, in fact, when he was called on in class to answer a question, he responded with no less than four different voices, <laughs> which of course cracked up all his classmates. Well, his crotchety old teacher, Mrs. Washburn, didn't appreciate that very much, and so she sternly rebuked him, saying, You'll never amount to much! Well, ultimately the joke was on her, because Mel Blanc went on to become one of the most famous voice actors of our time. The reason I share that story with you is because I had a similar situation happen to me in kindergarten. It didn't involve funny voices, but rather, well, let's just get into the story and you'll see what I mean. One day in class, during the time allotted for arts and crafts, we had just finished handing in our drawings. I have to give you some background on this. Our particular school district didn't have a lot of money, so the teachers were constantly scrimping and saving to make ends meet. And that meant we never had brand new crayons. What we had was a whole bunch of metal cookie tins filled with small bits and pieces of crayons. These fragments were generally about a quarter of the size of new crayons, only about an inch or so in length. For us kindergarten students who all had rather tiny fingers to begin with, it didn't matter that much. After all, we weren't expected to draw like a young Picasso or Rembrandt. Our artwork was rather primitive, to say the least. So there we were, we had just handed in our drawing assignments, and the metal tins of crayon fragments were still sitting on the table. Without anybody noticing, I reached my hand into the nearest tin and grabbed a very tiny sliver of a crayon. It was so small, in fact, that it fit very nicely into the space between two of my fingers. And you know, at just five years old, I had some pretty small fingers. I then turned to one of my classmates, Freddie, who was sitting right next to me at this small round table and whispered to him, Hey, Freddie, guess what? You want to see me do a magic trick? Well, at that age, obviously, what kid was going to pass up seeing a magic trick? So once I had his undivided attention, I waved my hand over the tabletop and abracadabra, a bold, colorful stroke of crayon art miraculously appeared right under my hand. And then I turned to my other classmate, Sally, who was seated on the other side of me and repeated the very same magic act for her. So now we had two big honkin' crayon strokes decorating an otherwise pristine tabletop. 
And as luck would have it, Mrs. Luzak happened to be walking around the classroom at that very moment. And that's how she noticed this little dramatic performance of mine. And so, in one fell swoop of the crayon, my fate was sealed. She informed me that I was going to be staying after school that day and cleaning up all of the tabletops in the classroom, whether they needed cleaning or not. And that was my very first experience with breaking the rules for a little bit of fun and creativity. Just like with the crotchety old Mrs. Washburn in Mel Blanc's life story, my little magic act was an example of artistic expression that was way ahead of its time, and certainly not thought very highly of by the powers that be. And my mother, who came to pick me up at school that day, didn't appreciate it very much either since it was, number one, an embarrassment for her. And number two, it delayed our getting home at the usual time, which upset her whole household routine. She was, after all, quite a creature of habit, and you really didn't want to mess with Mom's unchanging carved-in-stone daily schedule, or there would be hell to pay. Oh, no! Just as a footnote, you may be interested to know that my artistic talents eventually found an outlet in some other different venues, not the least of which was a Halloween window painting contest sponsored by the downtown merchants of Linden, New Jersey. Oh my! I created an eerie haunted house picture for the front window of our local Woolworths Five and Dime. Wow! I often wondered whether old Mrs. Luzak was aware of that accomplishment. <laughs> if she had witnessed it, she probably would have made me wash the windows of all the downtown stores as punishment. That's all, folks. You've been listening to A Look Behind and Rewind. I'm Tom Nielsen. See you next time. Hi, this is Tom Nielsen. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're invited to hear more of our episodes at A Look Behind and Rewind. And feel free to share our link with friends, family, and others, as well as following us on buzzsprout.com, Apple, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts.